Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message. Happy Sunday. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor here. Man, a lot of new faces this morning. Glad you guys came in, showed up on a Sunday morning. It's good to have you in the house. Um, Good news this morning. I'm not speaking this morning. I'm not speaking this morning. Two weeks in a row. I'm probably quitting. (laughs) No, I'm not. Uh, The reason I'm not speaking is because our good friend Dave Nixon is with us. Dave, if you want to come on up. Everybody give Dave a hand. Dave is a longtime friend of us here at Vineyard Campbellsville. Dave is a legend in the vineyard. And um, he's been with us this weekend because we had a little symposium, an Enneagram symposium. Who came to that? Anybody? What number are you? Two, two, three, five, nine. Trav, what are you? Nine. Anybody else over here? One. Okay. That's cool. Everybody's like, what is happening right now? Well, here's the deal. You should have been here. And um, we think it's pathetic that you weren't. No, that's not true at all. In fact, we're going to put this on the audio archive. You'll be able to go back and listen to it. It's five hours long. Whoa, intense. But we're going to put it up. We're going to put it up in little segments, and then you can, uh, you can partake. And Dave destroyed it yesterday. So um, he's going to destroy it again this morning. And yes, there you go. Happy Sunday. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had quite an, introduc- an introduction like that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I am delighted to be here with you this morning. And uh, just cut right to the chase since I want to talk about the image of God. But not the image of God as an abstract concept, but the image of God resident in you. Resident in all of us collectively. Um, we'll begin by reading from Genesis. And then God said, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So here we are at the very beginning of Scripture. We're given this bedrock statement that we are all made in the image of God. It's not a single one who has ever been born in the history of the world who is not made in the image of God. And we take this as a matter of faith. Now we can say that that image over our lifetime can become obscured. It can become uh, tarnished and hard to see in other people, but it never is obliterated because that's the way God made us. And... Although we are made in the image of God, uh, we grow into the likeness of God. And this is really more in line with uh, the, the, the very old uh, thinking of the church. The newer thinking is, you know, we're, we're born as depraved sinners, rotten to the core. And the early church would say, no, 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 no. We are born in the image of God. We carry within us the glory of God. Uh, It can become tarnished, but it's never gone, and we have a propensity to sin or an inclination to sin. We are fragile in that way. But the Christian life is about the resident glory being progressively revealed in us as we turn our vision to God. That's, That's what our faith teaches us. And so... That, that, that movement in growing into the likeness of God um, is what Protestants, you know, uh, they'll use the $10 word sanctification to talk about that. And that's just from a Latin word that means the process of becoming holy, sanctification. Right in line with scripture where the Lord says, you be holy as I am holy, which is more to be understood as you become, become holy as I am holy. And by holiness, we understand uh, all of the the wonderful attributes of God that encompass his strength, his beauty, his compassion, um, his uh, creativity, and and all of those things wrapped together. That's a part of God's holiness, and we are invited to become like that. So 
So this is the journey we go on, and it's important to understand that the journey is not something we, we um, this process is not an accidental process, right? It's something that we choose to go on. Our will is involved in that, <clears throat> uh, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a movement that is undergirded at all times by grace. Uh, we can't, we, we go on it purposefully and it requires effort, but none of that really helps unless it's aided by grace. And so we say that grace and effort are never opposed to one another. Irenaeus, a, a second century bishop of the, of the church who lived in what is now modern-day France, uh, he uh, had a famous statement uh, at the time. It's been repeated again and again, and it says, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. And what that means is that when you are fully alive, that God's glory is, is, is enhanced, is resplendent. It's easier to see. And here we think of what Jesus said where he said, I, I've come to give you life and more abundantly. I've come to give you life and a fuller life at that. Is that that life as it comes into us really just puts God um, in relief, like large display, ultra high definition. It's better than 4K. Okay, and, and then he goes on to say, and this is the part that isn't quoted so often, it's the second part of that statement. In fact, I, I almost never hear it. After he says the glory of God is a human being fully alive, he goes on to say, and the, and the life of a human is the vision of God. The life of a human is the vision of God. And <clears throat> translated, he's saying that, that being alive is dependent on keeping God in our vision. And so if we take both those statements together and we paraphrase it, it goes something like this. God's glory, that is his peacemaking nature, his redeeming nature, his compassion, his excellence, his beauty, his wisdom, faithfulness, joy, and strength are all on display when a human is fully alive. And the path to becoming fully alive is to keep God regularly in your vision. That's what Irenaeus is trying to teach us. And so the deal is, is as we reflect on these qualities of God, these parts of God's personhood, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we ourselves begin to acquire these things. Now we grow in our lifetime as we direct our attention to the Lord. We grow across the board in all of these attributes of God. But the truth is that you yourself, whoever you are in this audience, that you carry one or two or three of these qualities in a more pronounced way. They're more resplendent in you. Uh, <clears throat> and regardless of whether you feel it or not or see it or not, you think it's tarnished. I mean, it's just the truth about you is that you carry these. And that collectively, as these things um, are revealed in us, then collectively we put God into high relief uh, for the world. So what I want to do here is um, <clears throat> I do a lot of work in just understanding the way people are, how we're wired, what our inner drives and compulsions are. And um, like a lot of the early monks in the desert, you know, they would go and they would think quite seriously about human nature, the words of Jesus, and what is it that really drives us at the end of the day? What's our vision of life? Um, and what are, the, what are the demons, the private demons that we struggle with? And so um, you've heard of the seven deadly sins, right? Those are based upon a study of human personality, human nature. Uh, they go all the way back to uh, the second century uh, where Christians were thinking about um, how people are. But at that time, there weren't seven, there were eight. Uh, and if you bring in one that was also talked about, there are actually like about nine uh, in there. And so I want to talk about like nine classes, uh, types of people out there. And as I go through each of the nine, and I'll, and I'll be brief with each one, I want to tell you what's beautiful about you. And then I want to tell you what image you carry within you, what part of God's image you carry in you. 
And then I want to tell you also the call of Jesus on your life. Because with every gift, there's a cutting edge to it. And, and really for that gift to be fully redeemed, you have to understand the bleeding edge of that gift, if that makes sense. And you're going you're gonna to understand it here as I talk, as I talk through it. Okay? So among us today are people who are natural peacemakers. You are, <clears throat> you are serene for the most part. People experience you as serene, uh, peaceful, easy to be with. You're rarely demanding. You quite naturally take a back seat. You're happy to defer to others. And if people ask you what you want, you say, it doesn't matter, what do you want? Uh, it's just what you do. You, you quite easily deflect attention away from yourselves. In fact, you're happy to escape attention. If somebody draws attention to you, you feel very put on the spot. You identify quickly with other people, and you see good in all kinds of people. And you're aware of other people's states, and when there's tension, you feel it. If people start to quarrel or you feel tension in a room, you feel it in your body. And there's this impulse in you that just wants to say, let's everybody have a group hug right now. I see the value in what you're saying. I see the value in what you're saying. I think you're closer than you think. Let's just come together. So um, do any of you identify with that at all? Yeah, I see hands going up. <clears throat> so you carry the, the peacemaking image of God, part of God. You carry the shalom of God. Your, your greatest hope, your greatest desire, the thing that captures your vision, and it may be even your favorite place in Scripture is where the lion and the lamb lie down together, where the child is playing with the asp. Because you're about reconciling opposites. And that's who you are fundamentally. Yet internally, there's a part of you that feels like, you know, you haven't really stepped up, that in some ways you've abdicated your life and you've, you've uh, deferred to others, but there's a part of your life that you haven't really owned because you felt like um, it was never worth owning. Nobody ever invited you to the table. And and so there's been this surrendering of your heart along the way. And, and Jesus is saying this to you. Your voice in this world matters. Your presence in this world matters. Your opinion in this world matters. And your action matters. And it's really important for you to do the hard work of learning how God has made you, what the deposit is in you, and how you're to give that away in the world. Jesus is telling you to come out behind a kind of uh, passivity and easygoing and peaceful nature and to really put your neck on the line, to move toward action and love. And he's waiting for you on the other side to say, see, that wasn't so bad. <laughs> he can do that. <clears throat> There's another group out here, and you are natural-born reformers, uh, advocates. You want to sort of redeem the world and make things better than they used to be. And so <clears throat> you care about what's right and you work tirelessly toward it. And this work of fixing, of making things better than they were, yourself included, making yourself better than you were, is always at the forefront of your attention. You're industrious and you can be really exacting you know, with details and things like that. You know how to name a goal. You know how to, you know, get a plan in place. You know how to create the steps toward it. You know the values that are going to hold you as you do that. So, and you're going to work until the task is completed. That's just kind of who you are. You're conscientious about all you do and you're morally sensitive. You know when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing and you feel bad about it. So there's a world in disrepair, and your life is about helping to repair it. And between good and better and best, you will always choose best. 
And once you've completed something, you'll often find that if you did it again, you could do it even better, right? And how many of you feel like this is kind of me, okay? Can I get a witness? Okay, I do see some hands coming up. The others are too afraid to say that it's them, okay? Uh, And so um, you really, you you carry this restoring, reparative, redeeming, work and image of God who is about uh, making things right, right? And your, your vision, just like with the others, you know, that, that, that I talked about, the peacemakers, their favorite verse may be, you know, the, the lion and the lamb lying down together. The thing that captivates your heart is a picture of the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven. What you want is to see the kingdom of God come to earth, and, you, and, and it's like, I can't rest without that happening. Um, so that's beautiful. The, the problem is that you see yourself as responsible for bringing that down, okay, too often. And so <clears throat> inside, um, you know, in, in, your, in your working, you know, there's, there's often an, an exhaustion that takes place, uh, a fatigue. Uh, and with that, uh, you can spiral into a funk. Uh, because the world isn't getting fixed the way you thought it was going to get fixed. Uh, You can then become sort of resentful of other people who haven't gotten with the game, who aren't doing the thing that matters so much to you and ought to matter to everybody. Um, So that's a part of what's going on inside. And you can be, uh, you know, in your worst moments, kind of critical of other people. Uh, but especially there's an internal judge that's always sort of beating you up and saying, you can do better, you can do better, you can do better. And you'll do better, and the next day the judge is still there saying, but you could do even better, you can do better. And it's just you can't let yourself off the hook. So Jesus is standing and saying to you, let yourself off the hook and come over and play. Learn what it is to let go of work and come into Sabbath keeping and to live in an imperfect world. And it's not your job to make it perfect, all right? First of all, let go of work, come over and enjoy the primal gifts of life, enjoy food, enjoy sleep. My dad is one of these types I'm talking about, and he thinks that people who take naps are lazy, fundamentally lazy. There's something wrong with them. (laughs) See, he can't let himself off the hook to take a nap, so he doesn't think other people should be able to take naps, right? There's work to be done. And so, but the great gift here and what Jesus is calling you to is a regular embrace of Sabbath. I'm going to enjoy food. I'm going to enjoy sleep. I'm going to enjoy a walk in the woods. Uh, I'm just going to enjoy the primal gifts of life and know that while I sit here that God is in control, and God is doing his work. And I often think here of Martin Luther King, who was this kind of a person, a really uptight and a workaholic and all of that, and finally has a moment of grace, and he can say, here I sit drinking my Wittenberg beer while the kingdom of God rolls on. What a great picture. Here's a man at peace who's relaxing and enjoying a good beer and says, my father is at work. So this is the call to you. And as you do this, as you move into Sabbath, you don't lose any of the things that make you beautiful. In fact, they get stewarded well and they get amplified. That's just the way it works in the kingdom. God is not trying to strip you of personality. God is trying to enhance your personality. And then there are people out here who are, you're tenderhearted, you're compassionate, you're helpful, you're caregiving, uh, you care about people, you notice their needs quickly before others do, uh, you respond to those needs, you're right in there with people and they feel your heart. They see the love in your eyes as you're with them. And you give and you give and you give. There's a song there. <laughs> uh, so you, 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 this is who you are. And you do this at a cost to yourself regularly. You are sacrificing yourself for the sake of others. And people feel that in profound ways. <clears throat> and so, so, you know, and you want others to join the cause because this is really what it means to be a Christian in your worldview is we just give and give and give. We sacrifice ourselves. 
That's what we do if we're Christians. And I want to say that you carry in a profound way the, the compassion and the mercy, the tenderness of our Father. And, uh, and, and don't forget that, that that's the way that you are going to sort of carry the image of God in this world. But internally, you often feel strung out. Uh, you'll come regularly to points of exhaustion and all of the helping and the caregiving. And you're not comfortable really at the end of the day with this inability to say no when people ask you for help. It's so easy to say yes, and it is so hard to say no because I'm supposed to be helping, right? That's how you define your life. And you're not comfortable with your inability to sort of step away and get a breather, and you wonder maybe if you're enabling others from time to time. And you may wonder also from time to time if there's anybody who sees your need. And especially when you come to that point of exhaustion, you may feel kind of sad or just even resentful that who in this world cares for me? I give so much to other people, but who's there for me? Have I described anybody in here? Yeah? A few people? Is anybody feeling at all uncomfortable in, with that description? You're not going to raise your hand, are you? Okay, that's okay. I get it. Uh, and Jesus is, is, is standing across from you, and he is saying, Come to me and let me show you how to love yourself. The invitation to you is to really take your life seriously in terms of self-care and love. And self-care is not equal to selfishness. Uh, Jesus is one of the most sacrificing, he is the most self-sacrificing people, you know, that, that, we, that we read about. This is his life. I did not come to serve, I mean to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many, to give up his life. And yet we also see this person who says, I was sent only to the, house sheep of the, lo the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And come away, we're going to take some rest now. Going away to a private place to pray. And when people say, hey, come and heal some more, heal some more. We just had this great healing service. Do it again. And he can say, no. And he can leave behind people who still need healing because he realizes there's a, he's got to stick with the plan, stick with the mission. So this is the call for you. There's a whole other group out there um, who are just good at what you do. You, you are you excel. You have kind of a Midas touch in life. Uh, in high school, you were popular. You were well thought of by either other students or by your teachers. You were maybe president of, uh, you know, your class or of the student council. Perhaps you excelled in sports, you know, academics or something like that. But all through life, people have applauded what you've done because you're just good. You get things done. And not only that, you move easily among people. And you can be with this group that is a certain way and you know how to be with them and to build rapport and you can walk over into a distinctly different group and you know how to be with them and build rapport. Uh, you just know how to be with people. You're great in that way. Uh, you're a social animal. And you know how to really excite people's imagination and draw it toward a vision of something. You're just good at that. And... Uh, does anybody in here identify with that? Nod of the head, yeah? Some of you are out there like that? Yeah, a little. <laughs> so, so you carry just the excellence of God. I mean, our God is excellent. And there's a description of Jesus. He does all things well. And that's, that's sort of the thing that you carry in this life. And it will always be with you. The things that you put your hand to are probably going to prosper. It's just like that. But inside, what you may feel is this great pressure that I'm, I'm, I've, I'm doing this thing and I've, there's this image out there of me and this image out there of me as, as maybe this person and this person and this person, but it's not really who I am behind the scenes. And if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. That you feel inside perhaps a little fraudulent maybe a little bit too much like a chameleon, 
that you shapeshift. And, 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 you, and you probably know that at times there's a social pressure to kind of tell the truth slant, that it's hard to really say who you are inside. Most of our politicians are like this. And, you, you, you know, I'm not calling you a politician, but, but this is just sort of the, the, the way this particular class of people are. And in these people, there is a deep desire, really, to be known, to be known in your depths and loved for who you are. And this is exactly what Jesus is calling you to. He's calling you to check your words and your actions at the gate and to say, is what I'm about to do, is what I'm about to say the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Is what I'm about to do uh, something that is designed to attract attention to myself, or is this just a great thing to do? And I'm going to do it regardless of what people think about me, how people see me. So Jesus is calling you to become ruthfully truthful, radically transparent, uh, to live inside out, that you are essentially an open book. And also another invitation of the Lord for you is to sort of get out of the limelight and to have like a detox, like a, a cleansing, a, a kind of a fast. But the way that fast looks is to go into more of a private life uh, to, to live a bit in obscurity and learn how to do things that don't attract attention or applause. And that is like, do the things that nobody applauds in life. Like, wow, I love the way you changed that diaper. I love the way you did those dishes. And the way you mow that lawn, those cross patterns, rocking, dude. Okay? Nobody's applauding that kind of stuff. The, so the domestic behind-the-scenes stuff where you're just a servant and you're doing things in secret, that is life to you. Because then you go back out and you can do the wonderful thing that you do, but now you're safe. You're living transparently, you're an open book, and you don't need to be on the stage, it's just where God has invited you. And you can cast vision and you can do all of those things, and you're free of that ambition. It's just a beautiful place to be in. So God will enhance your gift. And then there's another uh, uh, class or set of people and, and this church is, is just dripping with them and these are the creatives, these are the artists, these are people with an eye for beauty. They love uh, deep movies, especially if they're foreign, okay? They love uh, pour over coffees, right? They love uh, great wines. Uh, and they are born with, uh, you know, they're not gonna like, I know you got a great Walmart down there, but there's something in them they feel a little like bad if they shop there because that's what everybody does. And I sort of distinguish myself by doing things that are a little bit different from others. Uh, and you really have an eye for beauty. You love the way a room gets arranged. And it's a great gift that you provide. Uh, so you're making films and you're creating music and you're writing poetry and you're writing books and you're designing rooms. and you know, life is about beauty and life is about meaning and life is about depth. And there's always this insatiable thirst to have more. What You, you just have this longing in you and you, you, you want to suck the marrow out of the bone of life. And you want everybody else to do it. But the problem is, and, and you carry the beauty and creativity of the Lord. The creativity of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's you. And that is the thing that will burn most brightly in you over a lifetime. But inside, <clears throat> it's hard to be content with right, what's right under your nose because you always want something that's better than what you have. You're not like that other class of people who want to make things perfect because perfect doesn't matter to you. Depth and meaning and authenticity matter to you. And that's what you really want. If it doesn't feel authentic, you don't want it. If it's a fraud, you don't want it. And so, and you know if you're that person, if you're born with that longing for meaning and things like that. So, and, and the Lord's word to you, what Jesus is calling you to, is to learn to be content with what is right under your nose. 
to quit looking back over your shoulder nostalgically at what used to be and something that was so sweet in the past or quit looking forward to something you don't yet have and saying, I so want that. And to look at the life you have and say, God is here and I love this, whatever it may be. I'm one of those people. I'm a creative, I'm an artist, and I'm, I just feel like I was born with longing and it never goes away. And there are days it feels like it eats me up. Okay, my current life is, is just, it's just soaked in care right now. Our, our daughter's husband had a severe aneurysm, so his brain was kind of blown out. He's long road to recovery. We're helping with child care. Uh, we're helping financially. I'm taking care of their house, making sure that cars, oil gets changed, you know, schedules are observed. I'm doing their budgets, their medical. I'm doing that for my family. We got our two other children are wasting away with muscular dystrophy. There's a lot of care involved there. And there's a part of me that would say, this is so confining. But this is, the, this is like, this is it, folks. This is my life right now. And I don't regret my life at all at this point. It's like God meets us in the life we have. And if he can't meet us in the life we have, he can't meet us anywhere. Right? So, so rather than me thinking, well, this is just for a season and someday I'll break out of this and I'll get to do that thing I really long for. Or man, wasn't life so great before all of this happened? Is say... That's gone. That may never come. This is what is. God meets me here. I love it. That's what, a for, what, what, what these creatives need to learn. Then you come to uh, another kind of person. And these are, these are people who are great learners in life. They're great observers. They're great learners. Uh, and so they, they just take in information. They love to read books. Uh, they'll speak. You know, and it, it may not be reading, it may be watching movies, it may be watching people, but they're just soaking in information. And you probably know these types. A lot of times they are sort of bookworms and stuff, uh, but they're taking in the goods, taking in the goods, and there's a little bit of a deflector shield in front of them because they're sort of standing against the wall and watching life go on and taking in information and, you know, observing, but then it's really hard for them to step out into life. But that gift for taking information, for synthesizing things, uh, making connections, and the wisdom that accrues in that really captures the wisdom of God, captures the omniscience of God, our God who knows all things. You capture a little bit of that. And that's a great gift. And, but, but inside, there's a part of you that so longs to join the dance. You know that... Too often you, you, you get ready to, you know, to fire, but it's so hard to pull the trigger. You think a million thoughts, but it's hard to get those out into public. And so you find yourself as kind of a witness to life, but not really being in life. You're one step removed from the action. And Jesus is saying to you, all of that stuff that you've been taking in over the years, it's now time to start putting out. And rather than live sort of safely and never firing the trigger, just kind of like fire the damn trigger, okay? Kill a few people, okay? I'll raise them from the dead. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, what, what the Lord's invitation to you is. is just don't live cautiously, live intrepidly, live boldly, live courageously, just Get out there with the stuff that you've been given and put it on the line. Roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. Um, and so rather than think something good about another person, which you do, but never say it, go up and say it to the person. If you see a kind act, rather than say, oh, that was a kind gesture, go to the person and say, I noticed what you did. What a kind thing. I just want to commend you for that. I was moved by your action. Even if it's as simple as saying, that's a rock and flannel shirt, okay? <laughs> Just learn to sort of get what's inside and to bring it out and to get into, you know, the world. Does that make sense? So if that's especially going to hit home if you're one of those types of people. And then there's another type, and I love these folks because they are the worker bees, they are the worker ants of the world, 
And if you took a super magnet over the earth and just that could like suck them out, everything that we know and love would instantly collapse because there'd be nobody there to support it. So all of the people with the great ideas and the vision and stuff like that, who's going to carry it out for them? Nobody, right? And so I love these people because they have the heart of a servant and uh, they show up every day and they are loyal to a fault and they love duty and they're going to go down with the sinking ship. They color between the lines every day they follow all of the traffic regulations. They never run a red light. They don't even run a yellow light. These are people that just go by the book. And, and they are some of the best friends in the world. When you can have one of these types as a friend, you will have a friend for life. Because these are your loyalists. These are people who are faithful. And they carry the faithfulness of God who never leaves us, who will always be with us. And that's what's beautiful about them. Now, on the inside, the thing that they may struggle with is fear. So I, I color between the lines, and I have my plan A and my plan B because I, I think there's a lot out there to be f afraid of. And I can often get worked up about, like, danger and things like that and can become a little bit like Chicken Little. You know, something happens, and I sort of amplify it and say, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, and run around trying to alert everybody else to the danger, right? And get everybody on my side here. And nobody really cares as much about what's out there that might threaten us as I do. And so they can feel very shackled by, by fear. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing is that there's a gnawing sense that in serving other people, in giving my life away to serve other people and institutions, maybe I've never asked the question, who am I? And what is the thing that I'm meant to hold on to and give away in this world? I'm so quick to serve other people's dreams, but is there a dream that I myself hold? And Jesus is telling these people, learn your voice, Recognize your fear, let go of your fear, step out into, onto the water and know that I'm there to catch you and live in a kind of childlike faith and trust in me. Uh, so uh, let go of your fear and learn courage. Let go of your fear and embrace faith. And just become a person who relaxes in his or her spirit. That's his invitation to you. And we're down to uh, the last two sort of folks or classes of people that I want to talk about. Uh, <clears throat> the next one uh, is, is a person, and you, you may be this person, you're, you're just fundamentally enthusiastic about life. You have a nose for the good things in life, for the pleasurable things in life. You might even be called a hedonist. <laughs> you just love the party. You love good food. You love uh, anything that you love bling. Uh, you love the bright stuff. You don't want to watch a sad movie. You want to watch a happy movie, a mindless movie. Uh, you, you love Dumb and Dumber when it came out, you know? Uh, things like Clueless or whatever these movies are, right? Uh, the, the really dramatic and deep movies. I don't have time for that. There's a party to be had, right? And so you do have this um, uh, kind of joyous, happy spirit, and you love the party, and you want to bring people into the party. You love to draw others into this orbit of celebration, and you were born with way too many endorphins, uh, and for melancholic people like me, you're just too much, okay? <laughs> just way too much. Uh, so, so that's you. Um, and you, you carry, uh, in a larger degree, the joy of the Lord. You carry, in a larger degree, the, the celebration of the, that, that comes with the kingdom. This is who, sort of who you are and how God's image is meant to be ref reflected in you over time. 
Inside, though, you can feel pretty scattered, like all I do is run from one fun thing to another. My life feels too busy. I don't really feel like I have focus. I feel like I live in a state of per perpetual ADD. Um, I never take time to savor. It feels like I gobble down. And there doesn't seem to be any central focus to my life. And the pain that is in your life, it's really hard to look at. Or other people's pain. You want to diminish the pain that's in your own life. And if somebody brings up something hard, you'll say, yeah, but look at the bright side. And you'll want to talk about that because to really be in a painful place is very difficult. Am I touching any buttons with anybody out here on that one? Yeah, back there? Okay. So what the Lord is saying to you is that the thing that you fear most, which is the absence of the party, a kind of void, is with, with the Lord going to be one of the fullest places you can be. That the void is not a void. That if you come to the Lord and you experience silence and solitude, you sort of take a temporary, you, you, you temporarily divorce yourself from people and the party. And you come into this kind of wasteland or wilderness. Like with Jesus, you go out into the wilderness to be alone. That God is going to meet you there and you're going to find a kind of fruitfulness and pregnancy and silence and solitude. And you're going to find a capacity to look at the pain in your own life and to hold the pain in the lives of other people. And you will come back out of that situation feeling more grounded and wiser. And instead of running about, you know, sort of from one party to the next and filling your life with good things, you'll be able to choose judiciously uh, what it is you're to give your time and attention to and uh, how to really savor something. And none of the, the really, uh, what I would just call the bright and beautiful parts of your personality will be lost. You'll be able to steward that better. And finally, we come to Adam. Because uh, <clears throat> right? Adam, if you know and love Adam and you know something about you know, the way he is, because we all have a mode of being. We have a persistence of form that we just never fully escape. We're born into this life with a kind of a preset. We don't know how that comes about, but something actually gets passed on to us genetically, and then we've got the influence environment, and it all just gets mixed together, and boom, out comes this person. And, and you know, when you think of Adam or people like him, they're people who, you know, walk into a room, and they're just, you feel their solidity, you feel their presence. There's a bit of a command presence. There's confidence, uh, sometimes a swagger, right? There's no meekness whatsoever. Like, you know, I mean, they can be meek, but I mean, this, you know that this is not a pushover, this person. And when they see something good, they will go for it. It's like, you know, whereas the, the other person who's observing and taking in information and going ready, aim, ready, aim, ready, aim, ready, aim. This person is like, oh, no, no, no. We just fire. <laughs> Boom. Right? We just fire. We're going to kill a lot of people. That's fine. Okay. And next time, guess what? Our aim is going to be a little bit better and we'll kill fewer people. That's the way it works. And eventually, we'll only kill one or two. Right? <laughs> And that's just what you do. You go after what you think is good in life. There's a desire for that. And you can be a bit of a bull in a china shop, but there's, a, there's just this wonderful quality of like entrepreneurial and, and um, action-oriented quality to these people. And they can spot weakness a mile away. They know they can look at a system or they can look at people and they can find weakness like that. And it's what can make them very good leaders. It can also make them very bad leaders. Right? So then the other beautiful thing about these people is there is such... Um, man, their, their hearts get triggered for the, the, the widows and the orphans, for the marginalized, and, and justice matters intensely to them. So they will war 
for the widow. They will war for the orphan, and they'll want to draw others into that as well. Uh, and so they carry the strength and the dominion of God in a profound way. Inside, though, there is a sense often early on of being vulnerable, that I need to keep up this bravado, I need to keep up this swagger so that people don't perceive me as weak. Because once upon a time, I was hurt really badly. And I'm not going to be hurt again. I'm not going to be the weak person in the room. I'm going to be the strong person in the room. And so there is sometimes this feeling of vulnerability inside. <clears throat> and this is, and, and, and also a gnawing sense that maybe I commodify people too easily in that desire to go after the thing that's good, that sometimes people feel like they're being bulldozed as I go after it. Or I'm, you know, they're, they may feel that they're being swept into your vision, but they're only pawns to get you to where you want to go, and you don't really care about them. And the Lord is saying to these types, learn how to really love people, to, to go from seeing them as commodities to humans with hearts that beat, who shed tears, who have emotions. Uh, so to humanize people rather than to commodify them. And then that thing in you that will see a good thing and grab it and go, ha-ha, this is mine, I am now more powerful, uh, is to say there's this thing in you that is beautiful and bright and I want to see you grow and become powerful. So all of a sudden they go from sort of acquiring power from themselves, and the Lord invites them to give away that to others and to make them powerful. And they become very self-sacrificing. They become compassionate. They humanize people. They lift people up. And it's wonderful to see that work happen. So those are like the classes, I think the general classes of people, although each one has nuances. And did you feel like one of those at least kind of captured a little bit of who you have been in life? I'm seeing a lot of nods out there. Okay, so I have just a couple things to say to you. One, never forget the thing that makes you so beautiful. Never forget the thing that uh, corresponds to God's image within you. Just know that that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. Hear the call of Jesus to go on a journey that will help you to steward that gift so that it doesn't eat you alive and hurt other people. And you do that by putting your gaze upon the Lord, noticing, like just saying, yeah, this is me. This is what I do. And then... And, and in this way of being, these are the ways in which I may hurt myself or others, but when I melt down, my game doesn't work of making the world perfect. My game doesn't work of helping everybody. My game doesn't work of being the one who does all things successfully. My game doesn't work of being, you know, the most creative person on the planet or knowing the most or whatever your game is. When that doesn't work, we all sort of spin out of control. And when we do, you know, there can be a lot of mess for other people. And so acknowledging this is, this is who I am and this is what I do, but then knowing that the Lord's invitation can help you to uh, refine and steward that gift in the most beautiful of ways. And collectively then, uh, we together, as we bring these ever, you know, these, these progressively redeemed uh, images of God within us forward as a community, then God is sort of spotlighted in high relief before the world. I mean, among us, but before the world. Uh, the glory of God is revealed. I'm going to finish by just saying that, you know, for me, there are two things that were just life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And one is the day that I woke up and I realized that actually everybody who was not like me was not a jerk. Right? I'm not kidding. It's like 
And we, a lot of us, we sort of operate this way. Why can't people be more like me? Why can't people see things the way I see things? If my family would only sort of get in line, if they saw things like this, then everything would be, you know, the tension would be gone, things would be better. We as humans tend to, we're, we're sort of trapped in this way of being and seeing the world, and we think everybody else should sort of be like that too, in their best versions. And so the day I sort of said, you're all free. You don't have to love poetry. You don't have to love music. You don't have to love a well-designed room. You're free. I will cast no judgment upon you. That was like a glorious day in my life. Okay? Oh, one thing I did want to say is that the creatives too. I mean, God makes the egg, but creatives make the omelet. That's basically the way it is, you know? God makes the grape, but creatives make Chateau Neuf du Pape, okay? Amen, right? Barolos and burgundies and things like that. That's what creatives do. Can I get a witness? Yeah, okay. So, so that was a glorious day when I could just let people off the hook and say that we have different voices. We have different gifts. We have different ways of conveying the image of God. But the other great day in my life was when God began to grow my affection and love and appreciation for people who were not like me. Because it's one thing to let people off the hook and sort of be neutral or tolerate them. It's another thing to let people off the hook and grow in love and appreciation, say, I need you, we need you, and my life is fuller because of what you bring to the table. We are at opposite ends of the spectrum in our views about a particular thing, but I love the way you convey the image of God. I love the way that you long for the lion to lie down with the lamb. I love the way that you want the new Jerusalem to come down from heaven. I love the way that you want every tear to be wiped away. I love the way that you want to see the excellence of God sort of portrayed largely in this world. I love the way that you have the creativity of the Holy Spirit. I love the way that you are wise and knowing. I love the way that you carry the faithfulness of God. I love the way that you carry the joy of God. And I love the way that you carry the strength and dominion of God. And to love all of these things because these are parts of God, that is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. You all have that. And I hope today in just listening to this that you've been able to see something of that in yourself. And maybe the question is like, Lord, how do you want to grow your presence in me? How do you want to grow your image in me? And I think some of you, as you've heard this, you maybe felt a little bit of a finger on you like, yeah, that's me and maybe my worst moments, and those are some of my private thoughts. I think it'd be great if you just come up during uh, the time that we have people from the ministry team up here and just say, when Dave spoke, I identified with this and that kind of uh, world behind the scenes, and would you just pray for me that I could, I could steward this gift more faithfully, that I could become more of who God has called me to be. That's my hope and my prayer for you. So if you'd stand, I'd just love to pray for you. And if the ministry team would come on up front and be ready, I pray. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.